All right, well, good morning. This is, uh, this is my first time up here. All right, yeah, in the back. All right. Well, yeah, good morning. We just want to say again, I just want to start by saying how glad we are that you're here with us. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, and, and I hope everyone's week went well. You know, my week, thanks for asking. Uh, it went fine. I do have one complaint, though. Um, I spent a good portion of my week this week wearing a harness. Uh, for those of you who may not know, I spend half of my week now here with you all, and the other half I spend working construction, and right now I'm working with a team building this multi-level dorm, and that's pretty cool. It's my first time doing something like that. But every time we start a new floor of this building, we have to wear a harness and strap into these wires that retract, and they just pull on you all day. And so until we have the exterior walls up, we have to wear these harnesses. And so every time we start this new floor, we put on these harnesses and they strap around our legs and they go over our chest and then there's this wire on our back and it just pulls day long and it's there until we finish the exterior walls. And so what that means for a few days all day, we're in these harnesses. And inevitably, at some point, you'll be walking towards an object that you need, and you'll reach the end of your rope. And so when that happens, you have to walk back to your anchor, pick up a new anchor, walk over close to where you need to be, lock down a new anchor, unhook yourself, hook yourself into the new one, grab the object that you need, come back, walk over, unhook, rehook. It's exhausting. It's a lot of work, but as frustrating and exhausting as these harnesses can be, you understand why you're wearing them. Because when you're working close to the edge and you lose your footing and this harness catches you, you're glad it's there. You get it. But after a few days, when those exterior walls are up, there's no way I'm putting one of those harnesses back on because I'm safe. The walls are up. There's no fear of falling. I'm free. I can go where I need to go. I can do what I need to do. And moreover, now these harnesses that once were there for my protection, they'd actually be an obstruction to what I'm trying to do next, which is to build the interior walls. So now after the exterior walls are in place, that anchor and that harness would be constantly and continually in my way, something to trip over as I seek to do what's next. And so I think that this is exactly the kind of thing that Paul is trying to teach the Galatians about the law and the gospel. When the law was put in place, it was a good thing. It kept God's people from going over the edge. But now there's something greater and it gives us a freedom that was never there before. And now as good and helpful as that law was, listen, it was never meant to be the permanent structure it was just there to do its job until Christ came to do his. And now this law that was so helpful, it actually becomes a hindrance to the work that follows. And so this morning, this is what I want to talk about. This morning, I want to walk us through the freedom that only Christ can make possible, how one obtains that freedom, and then how we're called to live as a result of our faith in Christ who gave that freedom to us. And so with that, let's open to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll begin in verse 1. 
He says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumstance, uh, circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. So Paul starts this section reminding his readers that the whole point of what Christ has done was to free us from the things that once bound us. Specifically, he's talking about freedom from the law and from our failed attempts to adhere to it. And so we in the church often call that sin. And so he's talking about the way that our past can just pull at us and keep things just out of reach constantly at the end of our ropes. And listen, can anyone here relate to those kinds of feelings? Never feeling like you measure up, never good enough, constantly at the end of your rope. And so maybe it's, it's a feeling that you have because just constantly you feel like you're at the end and you're just barely making it by or, or maybe you're here and that constant pull is just exhausting and you need a break. Maybe there's a sin that you've been fighting for what seems like forever, but it just keeps pulling you back in and you want to be free from it. Can I tell you that Christ is that freedom? And he's built and is building his kingdom, and it's permanent, and it will last forever. And those anchors and those harnesses and those chains, whatever they may be, they're temporary. And some of us are here, and, and we've already been freed from those things. Those chains are gone. But for whatever reason, we just seem to put that harness back on ourselves. And maybe it's because we have constant feelings of fear, uh, feelings that... There's something that we have to hold on to, a tradition or a ritual that we grew up with. Maybe it's a constant feeling that we have to prove ourselves to others by what we do. But whatever it is that we feel enslaved to, Paul is telling us that we're free. Don't go back. Don't put back on or harness yourself to the things that were because they'll keep you from what is and what will be. And here's why these anchors from the past are so dangerous. See, if you reject the freedom that Christ offers and you rely on this yoke of slavery that is the law or anything else, a tradition, whatever it is, a ritual, whatever it is, feelings of obligation to something else, whatever it is, you'll miss out on the freedom that Christ is offering. And more, you will or may have already fallen away from grace. And here's what I think that means. If you're here this morning and your faith is in obedience to some law or tradition or moral standard, whatever it is, if your faith is in anything else, if you think that that's what will save you, your faith isn't in Christ, so your faith will fail you. And that's the point of these first four verses. Paul's communicating in verse 1 through 4 that freedom is found in Christ and Christ alone and that everything else is slavery. And so this morning, the first thing I want us to take away is that true freedom is only found in Christ. True freedom is only found in Christ. And so Paul, in the chapter before, he described this freedom that we find through the story of Abraham's first two children 
And so the first was born to a slave, and thus a slave himself, but the second was born to a free woman, and thus free himself. And you can find that in Genesis chapter 21. But here's what Paul illustrates there. Paul says that the law, the old covenant, it's the mother of slaves, that on its own, all it can produce is slaves. But Christ and his new covenant are free, and they produce free children. And so for us here this morning, or listening from home, the question that he's asking is, which do you call mother? Which are you pursuing? Are you, are you tying yourself down to some code, or are you moving freely within the security that Christ alone has built? And so Paul and I this morning want to challenge you with that question, and I'm pleading with you to let go of whatever it is that binds you and choose the freedom that only Christ makes possible. The freedom found in Christ is a safety and security not dependent on anything that you can do, but in what Christ already has. And it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. And so the pressure's off. If you're in Christ, you're free. And, and, and so the question that comes up after that, when we understand what this freedom is, what it frees us from is, but how do we choose like, how do I gain access to that freedom? I've been strapped to this anchor for so long. My whole life, I felt that pull. I've had this weight. How do I just take it off? Man, I've tried to take it off, but no matter what I do, I just can't seem to free myself. But you're telling me that Christ has already freed me. Yet here I am, constantly pulled back, constantly in fear, constantly exhausted, skeptical. How do I experience that freedom? Well, that's what Paul tells us next. Verse 5, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And so the way we gain access to freedom is through the Spirit, by faith. And we already touched on that, but, but I want to spend some time here because this is something that so many get wrong and even more of us forget on the regular basis. The freedom of Christ comes only through the Spirit, by faith in Christ. It's all about Him. But I think most often there are two traps that we tend to find ourselves in when we try to make sense of this all. And so the first one is the one that Paul's most adamantly opposing in this letter, and it's that in order to experience the freedom of Christ, you must do more than he's already done. And for most of us who are here each week and involved in a home group or who read our Bibles every day and can recite each book of the Bible from memory and, 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 Paul's greatest warning in this book is for us. Because it's so easy to begin to believe that in order to be accepted by God, we must do certain things. And, and if you let your mind and your heart travel that path for long, eventually you begin to believe a lie. That God loves you less because your daily devotions aren't long enough or because you missed a day. Or that because of that thing you wrestle with, that somehow you're less able to serve or be a part of God's family. Or even worse, you begin to think that you're somehow more spiritual or more superior because you have more knowledge than someone else or, or you've been a Christian for longer. And so, listen, regardless of whatever side of that equation you are on, what happens is that you add to the gospel codes and laws that lead not to freedom but actually just make you slaves to something else. 
And so, listen, the dangerous reality of this trap is that you're actually just anchoring yourself back down, and your faith begins to be less and less in Christ and more and more to whatever that thing is that you've tied yourself to. And so now the walls that Christ has built become less and less important to you, and that anchor becomes a hindrance to you, and the work that God actually wants you to do until you're so bogged down that you aren't free to do anything of value for his kingdom. You're just strapped to that anchor, holding on to that close by, not experiencing the freedom of the world around you. And some of you have believed that lie from the beginning. And for you, listen, that's a false gospel. So repent and believe that Christ and his cross are enough for you and come and enter into the rest that only he can offer. And for others of you who have been in the faith for a while, remember what you already know to be true and come back, put back down that harness Christ has already freed you from. Let go. He's got you. And so this is trap one, the belief that anything other than faith in Christ is needed for you to have access to him or the freedom he gives. And listen, some of us here need to repent of that because we either aren't serving God because we feel unworthy, or worse, we think we're serving God, but we're actually harming the cause because we look at other people and we think we can deem them or their work unworthy. But how evil and conceited is that? So church, don't fall for the lie Christ has freed us from the law and made us new creations, born of the Spirit, born free. Freedom comes through faith in Christ alone, not Christ and. So true freedom is only found in Christ. And we experience that freedom when we let go and our faith is only in Christ. So Paul continues, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. You are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. But I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and, and the one who's troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Okay, Paul. (laughs) So I said this before uh, when I spoke a few weeks ago that this letter is like really aggressive. Paul is not mincing words. He's not concerned with making friends, but only preserving the truth. And so first... Here he just says it plain, the idea that Christ's cross isn't enough is not a message from God. No room for debate. There can be no discussion or disagreement on this for those who claim Christ. And yeah, I think he made his position on those who disagree pretty clear by verse 12. I don't think I need to explain verse 12 much more than that. If you have more questions about that verse, uh, I've put Pastor Evan's email up on the screen. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So here's the other trap, and I I think this is most often, uh, most often occurs in younger believers. It certainly is common in the current generation, and it's a trap to think that faith in grace alone will save you. 
This is the one who believes that Christ's cross is sufficient, but who uses that as an excuse to live however they'd like. It's the person who loves the cross but ignores the person who died on it. It's the one who says that they're followers of Christ but never seem to do anything or go anywhere he calls them to. But Paul rebukes this idea as well. Paul tells us don't take the freedom out of bounds. Instead, use it to serve in love. So to clarify what I'm saying here, first, um, I and Paul both certainly affirm that salvation is gained by grace alone through faith alone. That's Ephesians 2. But it's the salvation and freedom by God's grace willfully enacted and given to you such that it's an exchange in which Christ is actively participating and giving that grace as a gift. It's not something which you can simply take from him. And this is so important to understand, so I just want to reiterate that in one other way. It's not Christ's grace that will save you. It's Christ who saves you because he's gracious. And the reason that this is so important is because I've met so many people who get this confused, and because of that, they put their faith not in Christ for their salvation, but in his grace. But that's not the gospel either. It's a lie, and it will fail you. And so once again, true freedom is only found in Christ. And freedom is found when our faith is in Christ alone, not in obedience to his law, nor in reliance on his grace. Faith in the wrong thing, no matter how strong, will always fail. And and so, so far in chapter 5, Paul's told us that freedom can be found in Christ, not in obedience alone or grace alone, but in Christ that both are good things in the right context, but without Christ, they're nothing. Faith and obedience without recognizing Christ's work is like me refusing to take off my harness and never experiencing the safety or the freedom of the walls around me. And likewise, faith and grace without the one who's gracious is me trusting in the walls so much that I think they'll save me as I jump out one of their windows. In each case, those walls mean nothing. It's only when I rightly understand what they've done for me, that I'll experience the freedom and the security that they provide. And so here are our takeaways so far. Again, that true freedom is found in Christ alone. And that freedom is found when our faith is in Christ alone. And lastly, our faith in Christ and the freedom he grants us will and should motivate us to love and serve like Christ loves and serves. And this isn't an option This is the natural fruit and determining results of our salvation. As Paul said in verse 6, neither the law nor freedom is anything without faith working through love. And this is what Paul expands on in verse 13 through 15. He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You should love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. So here Paul tells us that freedom, that that freedom that Christ offers is found by faith, but more that faith results in us loving others the same way Christ loves us. That means that if you want to know where your faith is at any given time, the question you should be asking yourself is how well am I loving those around me? And so if you want to know if you love Christ, look at how you love 
others. And according to Paul, who's echoing Christ in verse 14, the whole law is fulfilled in love. So if you claim to be obedient to the law, but you don't love, you've actually broken the law. And likewise, if you claim to be free in Christ, but you use that freedom selfishly, you don't love, you're a liar. And so to put in the simplest form, Paul, in these verses, what he's telling us is that freedom is found by faith, and faith results in love. That is chapter 15, verse 1 through, or chapter 5, verse 1 through 15, in a nutshell. And, and that sounds really good, and it seems fairly simple, but I don't just want to end there this morning in this kind of like theoretical space, because that's another, um, uh, another trap I think we often fall into. Because if we claim to believe that that's true, we often actually are faced with these moments that we have to live like that's true, and that's where the rubber meets the road. It's easy to claim that we love people until we're struck with a moment that that would require sacrifice or inconvenience or discomfort. But it's in those moments which are defining and revealing of how much faith we have in Christ. Are we willing to love our neighbors with as much love and affection as we show ourselves? Because that's the thing that reveals a deeper understanding of Christ and how much of your life you're willing to entrust to him in faith. And so listen, we're take, uh, we take an offering here every week. And to be honest, I don't personally care how much or how little you give, but I do care if you're giving to God anywhere. And if you don't give here, that's a pretty good chance. There's a pretty good that you're not giving towards the kingdom anywhere else. Statistically, someone's generosity often starts in a place like this. And in the same way, I don't care that if you're at events like Trunk or Treat tonight, maybe you use Halloween as an awesome outreach to your neighbors and you set up a fire pit in your driveway and you have s'mores and you meet the neighbors and have wonderful conversation. And if that's you, I don't want you here tonight. I want you at home with your neighbors but if every time we have an event to serve our community, you choose to watch some TV show at home instead, then maybe you do need to come out tonight and meet some people and love on them the same way that Christ has loved on you. Because Paul says that nothing else counts for anything except our faith working through love. So Liberty, uh, where are we this morning on the spectrum from tying ourselves down to some expectations, everything, uh, ha- thinking that everything has more value than it does, or removing any expectations that Christ may have for us? Where on that spectrum are we this morning? Are we a church that lives in the middle, understanding that only Christ can give us freedom? And in that freedom, we use it to love our neighbors and love each other as ourselves. To love others as we love ourselves means to use our resources to take care of others. It means to use our time to serve others. It means that when, we're he- when we hear that our needs around us, we actually seek to meet them. It means that when there are opportunities to actually love our neighbors, we actually take them up. And so once more, here's our review. True freedom is found only in Christ. And true freedom is found when our faith is only in Christ. Which means it's not in obedience to some law, nor total reliance on grace. Faith in the wrong thing, no matter how strong, will always fail. And finally, faith in Christ and the freedom that he gives 
results in loving service. So put most simply, freedom is found by faith, and faith results in love. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word, even when it's harsh. Uh, thank you for apostles like Paul, who can just soak in and absorb all of your wisdom and knowledge and relay that back to us in ways that we can comprehend. Lord, that we can understand that it's you and you alone who grant us freedom, and it's faith in you and you alone that grant us that freedom. And, and it's the model that only you can give of what love is, what service is, that we can see what it's like to be a member of your family. Lord, I pray for all of us in this room that our faith would be in the right place, that we'd experience that freedom, and that we would live in the freedom the way that you've called us to live. We ask these things in your name. Amen.